Have you ever been that person who just did not want to be there? Okay, I got honest hands going up even. Oh, I'm obligated to be there because my kids are in sports. Oh, I'm obligated because my wife or my husband signed me up for something. My parents expected me to help out. Sadly, these excuses sound like more like a victim's mentality rather than a volunteer. But sometimes it is not a bad thing to expect things from others. How do you know you don't like it unless you try? Do that nice thing and put a smile on your face when you do it. You might hear that from your parents. The fact is, there is maturity in learning to volunteer for good things. And that's the lesson today. Not a victim, that is Christ, but a volunteer. First point, love him. He volunteered his good news. So the first point is love him. So Peter starts off by talking about Christians as exiles, more or less outcasts in a world that does not want to follow Christ. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter gives them a lot of encouragement, sharing with them their salvation in Christ. Jesus has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And this new birth through Christ leads us to eternal life in heaven. Unfortunately, you exiles, you Christians who are outcasts in a world because of your choice to follow Christ may suffer various trials. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. You mean that even though I follow Christ, bad things might happen to me? Well, sure. And bad things by people who don't want you to follow Christ. Surely that is not a problem here in our American culture. I say sarcastically. It is a problem in most every culture in this world. Peter reaffirms, don't worry and stay strong in the Lord. He is your living hope. Your belief in Christ is important in your foundation as a Christian. And it is important in your understanding on trials. And on your understanding and respect to salvation. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. But as we know, it's a belief that's actionable. Doctors might say this or that, and you do this or that, and if you do this or that, you will, you will get this, this or that result. We say, I agree doctor of chiropractic, doctor of physical therapy, doctor of medicine. We believe what you say is true, but if we don't really do what they suggest, do we really believe? 
Not if our action doesn't follow their plan for our health. One thing I'd like to share with new and even older Christians. If you want a stronger Christian family, discipline in the Lord and a healthy growth as a Christian, worship God. Bring your family to Bible class on a regular basis. Get to know others in your congregation. Learn His Word. Volunteer in church-related activities. And don't give your kids a choice to be present or not. You may say, sounds like a good prescription for a healthy, godly family. But your belief will only be shown by your action. So, you've never seen Christ, have you? Anybody here? But you love him. And if you love him, does it fit his concept of love? Belief in action. You see, your salvation hinges completely on the love of Christ. Not just that, but also on you loving Jesus. Of course, we know that Jesus loves all people, but the reality is that all people do not love Jesus. This is evident in the concepts Peter brings out in 1 Peter on us being exiles, outcasts. Our, we are outcasts in a world opposed to God. John said, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. And of course, many commandments deal with loving God and each other. I guess if it is if you believe that it is an act of not being a victim. Oh, I have to do it. Oh, I have to love them. Oh, I have to. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. This actionable belief in Christ, is it really a burden? For the victim it is. For the volunteer, not so much. After all, the outcome of our faith is salvation in our souls. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. You see, Jesus volunteered. Have you ever dealt with people who just didn't want to be there? Why me? Whether it's a volunteer or an employee, they can be grumpy. They can be very unhappy. They can be negative. They just don't really want to be there. People perceive this attitude. Other employees or volunteers and the clientele you're trying to serve can perceive when somebody really just doesn't want to be there. And this makes it harder on those who do want to be there. The military and many other jobs, corporate jobs and such, they encourage volunteerism. If you ever worked in that industry, in the corporate levels, you might have a, in the military for instance, you might have a physically hardened warrior 
or a technician. You might have an officer or an enlisted. You might have somebody who's out of intelligence or maintenance. They have different jobs, but they are part of one military. Volunteerism is encouraged by on all of them. Helping, it actually helps to advance in rank because they look at, hey, are you interested in other people besides what, just what you're doing? And it makes the military look good. And the military likes to look good. As a person grows older in character, they tend to do more volunteer service. You caught me when I was younger, good luck getting me to do something I wasn't going to get paid for. But as I get older, the attitude shifts. Or a, a real understanding of what's important. Jesus had a volunteer mission. Do you realize that? His mission was a volunteer mission. So, I'm going to sidestep a little bit, and I'll get to that concept here real quick. Premillennialism. That's just a big theological word, and it's focusing on mainly the concept of the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth after he comes back. One thing it teaches is that Christ should not have died on the cross. The reality is God had to make a plan B because the Jews were supposed to accept him. Because there's supposed to be a kingdom on earth. Hence the thousand year reign, the kingdom on earth. So that Israel will be that eventual kingdom on earth again we have to go through a hiccup, and it's called Christianity. This teaching is so far from the truth, it's unbelievable, and there are very, very many facets to that teaching. Because God's plan has always been plan A. He has never deviated from plan A. Jesus was always on a volunteer mission, and his mission was to lead to his death as our sacrifice according to 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 through 11. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied, when did they prophesy? Before Jesus was born. He already knew what was going to happen. Prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, those who are exiles, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. You see, Christ was never a victim. He was always a volunteer. And he served very well, did he not? To be fair, there are aspects of Christ's service that are nothing short of all in. I mean, he was all in with everything. His service was not easy. His service was not always well received. His service took his life. 
Dying on the cross for our sins was not something he really looked forward to. The shame, the anguish. But his service had meaning. It honored his father in a great act of voluntary obedience. He showed love because it is the only way toward salvation for us. So as the body of Christ, the church, can our voluntary service in the Lord's church have an impact on other lives in Christ? Are we guilted into helping the body? Well, I'm here because my parents expect me to. I'm here because tradition expects me to. Do we act grumpy and wish to be somewhere else? Man, it's lunchtime. Five minutes ago, I should have been home. Well, that sounds like grumpiness to me. That sounds like I have something more important on my mind. This voluntary act that I do of worship, I got time constraints, folks. Wow, has this come the wrong direction, if that be the case. I got family coming in. I can't come in today. Do we act grumpy and wish to be somewhere? Are we all in? In our voluntary service to God in heaven? Or are we a victim and have to be here? 1 Peter chapter 2, 4-5. through five. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. That's talking about Jesus, right? You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. As far as I know, there were no priests in the old law who got away with just doing nothing. We are to offer spiritual sacrifices as a volunteer, not as a victim. It seems God does not want people who continually carry the victim attitudes. But people dedicated to voluntary service in his church. Do you see how that works for people who are exiles, who are under persecution and trials, to recognize what they're doing is a voluntary act of love and obedience to God the Father through Jesus Christ in a world that doesn't want them around? If we're grumpy about doing things for God, we need to put on another hat instead of the grumpy hat. And say, whew, I need a paradigm shift. Here's the shift. I need to learn to volunteer for Christ. I need spiritual acts of worship. I'm a holy priesthood. 
this in life or death situations is it. Because this is where it's taken me. Where do you think these people were heading to? Where do you think they were involved in? Where are we heading to in this world? You see, his good news is our third point. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. <clears throat> it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, this is talking about the prophets, but you, talking about the exiles, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Who were some of those prophets? And Noah, Abraham, Moses, King David, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah, John the Baptist, and others. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 17. For truly I say to you, many prophets... And righteous people long to see what you see. Talking about those who lived during the physical time of Jesus and thereafter. And did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Daniel. It's an interesting book. Oh, he's got a lot of visions that goes on in that book. And he struggled with understanding many things even after things were interpreted to him by uh, being sent by God. For example, the vision of the ram and the goat. You're probably going, what vision of the ram and the goat? Exactly. It's a tough vision when you look at it. And Daniel, as great as he was, had a hard time understanding it. But God sent help to give that vision some knowledge and understanding. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli. And it called, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. Whew, time of the end, time of the end. In context, the time of the end here is dealing with the time of Christ, not dealing with the end of time. But that's another study. But to be honest, Daniel is so honest with this. Look at Daniel 8.27. And I, Daniel, this is after the interpretation was explained. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business. But I was appalled by the vision, and I did not understand it. This goes to show you that even the prophets had a hard time understanding things, even as it related to Christ. But they looked forward to it. And when it came about, all their prophecies came true through Christ as it dealt with him. But you see, God, the Spirit of Christ, who gave him this vision, Daniel, understood it. He is the one who understands. He is the one who interprets. He is the one who gives meaning. Not me, 
not anybody else. And it was for, guess what? The exiles of this world. The good news is Jesus Christ. His message of salvation to a lost people, a message of forgiveness, of redemption, and of his dominion. So preachers share this good news, then the good news comes by the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were striving or serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news. To you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. So when you choose Christ and you're immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of sins, do you rise from the water as a victim? Or as a volunteer? <coughs> oh no, I gotta go to church Sunday now. <laughs> or yes, how can I be of service to so many people who need Jesus Christ? Do you see the mentality? Do you see what God is offering us? Do you see what He wants His church to be? Volunteers with a good attitude. Not just for their families, but for the body and for the community. He is saying this to people who are exiles, who are outcasts in a world that hates them, who are going to be, if not already, under persecution and trials. Put on a happy face and volunteer for the Lord. Or be a victim and complain all the time. Therefore, and I love this, right away in 1 Peter 1.13, right after all this, he throws out a big therefore. You know what that therefore means, referring to everything backwards. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And a volunteer prepares his minds for action. A victim puts on the sulky face. The volunteers, ready to go. Prepare your minds for action. You Christians who are exiles, you who have your living hope of salvation, those who understand the mission of Christ, those who go through trials because you are a Christian, prepare your minds for action. That sure sounds like work to me. That sure sounds like work to me. We don't let our kids just sit home and watch the TV all the time, do we? Or do we give them action? Well, everyone in the body is needed. I think that's part of the point. I can't fulfill everything you can. And that you is plural, that you is singular as the body. We are one body. It's not, I'm not talking just to individuals. I'm talking to we, us, the church is one body and we don't need to be victims. We need to be volunteers for Christ. 
Are you letting God's word motivate you toward his good? Are you getting your family here, even for Bible class, so they are led toward success in their future Christian walk? Are you willing to let Christ be your life's main emphasis? Will you be a strong volunteer for the Lord's church here? This is where God puts you. He puts you here. Are you ready? Don't look at others and go, well, I wish they were doing more. Well, you're doing that. You're forgetting yourself. Ah, you look at yourself. Am I doing the volunteer service for the Lord that I need to do? Don't look at others. They got their own life situation. Look at yourself. Let them look at themselves and determine where is your focus? Volunteer for the Lord or victim who just has a hard time in this world? Are you preparing your minds with the therefore that he said of all the things that God has done for us with action? I guarantee you that is what Jesus did. He was not a victim. He was a, an obedient volunteer for God the Father. The lesson is Christ. That's where we get this information. Not a victim, but a volunteer. Love him. I love Jesus. You love Jesus. You wouldn't be here if you didn't love Jesus. It's not just a phrase, though, is it? It's a belief put into action. He volunteered. He didn't have a victim mentality. He, but he was determined and a willing volunteer. His good news is something worthy to be shared through the gospel message from the Holy Spirit. Well, it's worthy of our action. We do have lunch today. So you don't have to go far. So I appreciate the extended sermon and the great visual you guys had listening to God's message. That shows me, hey, I want to be here. And I want to listen to God's word. Because I'm not a victim. I'm a volunteer. I'm a Christian. If there's anybody here who has any concerns or prayer requests or anything else that you'd like to share with the body, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. Heart, the gentle voice of Jesus, call it tenderly.